AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. You know, it has been a busy time since EPA announced the proposed RVOs in a 700-page document. Doesn't that seem a bit excessive? Does it suggest some complexity? Well, it should because it's a very complex proposal. We'll dig into what we know and dive into interest rates, E15, plantings for next year, and much more on the free-for-all. Live on 1222022 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. Today it's the Friday free-for-all with panelists Sean Haney, Mark Recker, and Roger Bernard. Right after the news with Michelle Rook, we'll hear from Jennifer Scheich of Farm Journal's Pork. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Hey, buddy. Good job. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are joining us this morning for what is bound to be a very um, active conversation after the EPA proposed the renewable volume obligations. Uh, Like I said, a 700-page document. And when you start talking about how renewable natural gas is going to be tracked through the system as it is mixed with regular natural gas to produce electricity and then follow that electricity into the battery of an electric vehicle so that it can eventually generate a renewable identification number for the maker, for the, uh, for the original equipment maker. If that, is, if that doesn't sound complex to you, please call and tell me how this is going to be easy. Tell me how this is going to be easy. We've got a lot of ground to cover is the bottom line there. Michelle Rook, how are you this morning? It's good to talk with you again. You're not too bad. I've been yeah. talking to a lot of people, as you have, since the RVO proposal came out. Yeah. Kind of some mixed reaction. Ethanol groups pretty much applauding it. Uh, the biodiesel and advanced biofuel groups, uh, not so happy. A little more disappointed. Right. They don't right. think the numbers reflect the growth that they've had in biodiesel, renewable diesel, those products. Right. So, right. and I read Wiesmeyer's uh, commentary about renewable diesel, and he pulled out the text from the RFS talking about what EPA said, and I was more confused after I read that part, too. So, <laughs> it was so vague. Yes, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, they, they talk about, well, okay, so there's all this investment in the, in the industry out there. But, you know, it, it, that might not all be – we might not see follow-through right. and completion of some of that. I, they might you know, not to, have the feedstocks to operate the facilities right. at the 5 billion-gallon production capacity, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Right. But right. it didn't say anything. Exactly right. It made me think of this, Michelle. It made me think that some guy 
uh, uh, I'll just say in northwest Iowa, is going out and putting up a hog house and then is going to leave it empty. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So if the investment is made, you know, it's why the it's why the refiners, oh, we'll get into it, but it's why the refiners are investing in the crush facilities as well. Because to to a crush plant, the 75-cent oil that we're seeing traded, it, it, that may not be their cost. The cost to get that oil might be 60 cents. That works really well in a renewable diesel situation. 75 cents, eh, not so much. But it's just a lot of grunt. Boy, we, you and I could probably spend oh, yeah. the next hour talking about this alone. What else have we got in the news, Michelle? Well, of course, yesterday uh, the Senate passed the legislation to avert the rail strike by a vote of 80 to 15. The amendment adding seven days of paid leave did fail, but the measure is headed to the president's uh, desk for his signature. And I talked to Mike mm-hmm. Steenhook from the Soy Transportation Coalition this morning. He said that should pretty much be a slam dunk. Okay. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai met with Mexico's economy ministry yesterday, stressing the importance of avoiding any disruption in U.S. corn exports to Mexico along Mexico's energy, along with Mexico's energy policy. And U.S. employers hired more workers than expected and raised wages in November. The Labor Department reported non-farm payrolls increased by 600, I'm sorry, 263,000 Jobs about 63,000 more than forecast. That sent the stock market higher. No, it sent it tumbling, I'm sorry, and the dollar surging. And so now that may give the Fed a little more ammunition to maintain their aggressive policy tightening terrain and inflation. UN Food and Agriculture Organization, Global Food Price Index ticked down 0.2% in November It's the eighth straight monthly decline, though it was 0.4% above a year ago. China signaled again it may adjust its strict COVID policy, zero COVID policy. And as expected, an ag disaster package for eligible 2022 crop and livestock will be part of the omnibus spending package Congress will vote on before they adjourn. Yeah. We'll we'll need to see what the details are there. But, yeah, that's some good news coming. Yeah. And U.S. net farm income in 2022 is now forecast at $161 billion, up about $20 billion from 2021, and up almost $13 billion from USDA's September outlook. Nearly all expenses, though, are forecast to rise for 2022 as well to $412 billion. All right. Thank you so you much, bet. Michelle. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again later. Um, let's bring in Jennifer Scheich, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. How are you? We're doing just fine. Just fine. Okay. We're, we, carbon is going to be a big topic of discussion in uh, in today's Free For All, I'm sure. Uh, how are hog genetics playing into the whole carbon market scenario? You know, we don't really know yet, but we're working on it. And I think that's kind of the exciting thing about a new project that's taking place between the National Pork Board and PIC to really look into the role that 
genetic improvement plays in creating a more sustainable protein supply. We know that when pigs are healthier and more robust, they're also more feed efficient and they create less waste. So I think some of those like improvements are obvious to those in the pork industry and those who raise livestock, but we've got to figure out how to be able to show that um, those improvements have value and figure out where it fits in. Yeah. You know, it, it's been an effort, as you suggest, it's an effort that's been underway for a long, long, long time just because it makes the, the finishing house that much more efficient. Well, the the efficiency there also captures uh, or reduces the carbon footprint. And it's mm-hmm. part of the story that the industry and agriculture in general needs to tell and, and tell very loudly. It's good stuff. Good stuff. You've got another contest going on at Pork Business. Tell us about it. Well, it's my favorite time of the year. It's the beard contest. (laughs) And I I tell you what, the entries that I've seen so far are really awesome. I feel like the beards just keep getting better since this has started. But we've set things back just a little bit because I was hearing some excuses of, well, I don't have a picture of myself with my beard. So now you have till December 31st. So they had Thanksgiving, but you've got the Christmas holiday to get a picture of your favorite beard and uh, send that in to me at jshike at farmjournal.com and we'll go ahead and get those uh evaluated and get you back some results in january i tell you what the people doing the evaluation uh they take that job very seriously i've done it before in the past uh it it is something that uh you know there's there's a great sense of pride that comes with winning that thing <laughs> jennifer thank you so much we'll thank talk you. to you later all right. all right we've got the free-for-all coming your way next right here on agritalk From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk and the free-for-all. Glad that you are joining us this morning. As I mentioned, we've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's start bringing them in. Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. Good morning, sir. Hey, it's great to be here, Chip. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, there was a lot of prep for today. It was it's oh, packing yeah. a lot in my brain. It's uh, lots. This has been a crazy busy week. It it certainly has, and I'm telling you, we've. I've talked to half a dozen people this morning trying to get a better understanding of exactly why uh, 
we're seeing we're hearing some of the reactions to the proposed RVOs. We'll get into that here in just a moment. Uh, Roger Bernard, the senior policy analyst at S and P Global, joins us today. Roger, welcome. Howdy, howdy. I'm glad that you are here, my friend. Okay, well, and Iowa farmer, biofuel guru, Mark Recker. Mark, it's good to talk with you again. Good morning, Chip. Uh, glad to be back. It's been a while since I've been on, and uh, yeah, guru may be a bit of a strong word, Chip, but I certainly <laughs> do have a interest. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Hey, tell me what you've been doing the last couple of days. Well, so this past couple of days, uh, as a lot of farmers do, I take the opportunity to try and educate myself on issues that are affecting me and my farming operations. So I attended the uh, Iowa State uh, Integrated Crop Management Conference down in Ames. And um, so taking a lot of current agronomic issues uh, uh, that are, you know, on the forefront for farmers, disease issues in cornfields, dealing with water hemp, weather concerns going forward. It's a good way just to catch up on things that are important in our industry from an agronomic standpoint. So these kind of opportunities I like to take advantage of so um, I can figure out how to better run my operation uh, going forward. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. That's a great program down there in Ames. And uh, I've been to it a couple of times, haven't taken in the whole two days at any sit down, but I've, I have spent some time down there. It's, it's a good program to be involved in. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's jump into the renewable volume obligations, the, the proposals that were released from EPA yesterday, which technically, my opinion, a day late beyond past the, the court order. Um, Roger, the, the reactions from those on the corn slash ethanol side versus those on the soybean slash biodiesel slash renewable diesel side, uh, the reactions are quite different. What's the bottom line? Yeah, there really are. I think what you saw was, one, the 15 billion gallon, that magic 15 billion gallon level. That's kind of been the, you know, the level that most people on the ethanol side say you've got to have that in there for conventional ethanol uh, with the uh, extra amount in there to meet the court case from clear back in 2016, you know, come back to revisit us. There's 15.25 billion gallons implied for 23 and EPA and for 22 as well. EPA said, well, given that, we think that's a pretty good target to set for 24 and 25. So yeah. you had over 15 billion gallons in there for conventional ethanol. Yay from them. Yeah. The part that people haven't greeted as warmly is on that renewable diesel side. We've heard how much about all the renewable diesel plants that are coming online, all these refineries that are being retooled to produce renewable diesel. The expectation was, hey, this is going to be a big demand boost or a potentially big demand boost on the soy oil side, veg oil side. Well, the advanced biofuel part is really where that comes in. And that's where people are disappointed. It's not as big as they thought yeah. it should be. It's not that it's low. It's just it's not as big as they thought that right. it should be. It wasn't a decrease. Right. So that's kind of an important thing, I think, to remember. But basically, they're saying, look, you know, the, the, those people that are disappointed in what they heard, 
you're not sending the right signals to all of these places that have indicated we're going to do this. EPA and their in their uh, stuff said as much. They go, look, we yep. think the cost of doing this and the cost of those feedstocks, et cetera, may result in some of these facilities not being built. Right. Well, one way to fix that would have been to maybe boost up that advanced biofuel. Now, we think, have what, seen. Why? 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 To send that signal that we expect this much out of it. And if you're falling into that category, you really need to bring your See, facility online. Th- this is this is a spot uh, and, and Wrecker, check me on this and, and Haney, obviously jump in. But Wrecker, the, the RFS and the blending obligations, the RVOs, were are are there to provide market opportunities for biofuels. Okay, things like corn-based ethanol. Let's support the development of an investment in cellulosic uh, uh, generation of, of biofuels. Let's support biodiesel. I'm not saying renewable diesel. I'm saying biodiesel. So the RFS is there to incentivize the investment in the industries. The investment in the biodiesel, geez, say it right, Chip. The investment in the renewable diesel and in the sustainable aviation fuel markets is already being made. I don't know how a floor of support for something is being interpreted as a ceiling on investment. Mark, have I got this right? So if you think back to the beginning of the RFS back in 2005 and 2007, it wasn't for corn-based ethanol, for conventional, it wasn't always 15 billion gallons. It stair-stepped up to that over the course of several years. And so that, that was legislative. That encouraged and gave certainty for investment in that industry. And I think that's the expectation for renewable diesel here. I think they want numbers that will, there's already substantial investment and that needs to be reflected as well as that opportunity for growth. And I think that's where the disappointment is that the the EPA discounting uh, what the potential is there where the renewable diesel industry is ready to go. They are going and ready to go more. Yeah, like I I always think I I got Jim's voice in my head and you're saying, you know, when he talks about how sometimes in the biofuel lobby, we tend to overreact a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he puts that another way. But I just, you know, I, I, I think of Jim in this in this case. Um, I, I talked to one person this morning who who had a contrary opinion that said this is EPA being prudent in the sense that they've they've looked at the capacity in these next three years, and they've matched the the obligation to that. Um, let's be real: costs of building right now, because of inflation and and all the costs of steel and all those kinds of things, that is more of a deterrent for these plants getting built yes. than what this obligation is here today. Yep. And I I I, I I I really do I really do believe that canola is very excited because yep. you know we don't talk about canola a lot on this show uh it, it is you know the final rule was posted this is one of these final pathways for canola to be considered a feedstock it is much more preferable 
for crushers when it comes to renewable diesel than soybeans are. Obviously, there's much more soybean volume out there than the canola, but canola is much more preferable. So this is this is a big deal for the canola industry and the potential for acre expansion in the U.S. And I was in Great Falls, Montana earlier this week, speaking to Montana grain growers and the big shout out to the PNW Canola Association, Northern Pulse Growers for having me. And we talked about exactly this, you know, the opportunity provided it rains in states like Montana at some point, mm-hmm. yeah. um, big opportunity for canola. And as you move yeah. south, like states like Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia for winter canola, um, yep. you know, canola is very excited. Obviously, soybeans have a, other things to say at this point. Now, one of the reasons that that canola that we need to pay attention to this potential for canola is just simply the, the pounds of oil produced per acre. Right, Sean? Absolutely. That's why yeah. it's preferable by the crushers. It, it's a, it's right. a, it's a, I'm not putting it right, but it's, it's, it's a more efficient way to get to, to, to the volumes. And Canada's tapped out on acres. We, you know, we have increased yield targets long term for our 22 and a half million acres, but we have compressed the, you know, the rotation a lot. You know, diseases, verticillium, uh, club root, black leg. We, we've got some disease pressure. So there's a major opportunity south of the border to be including canola in the rotation to, yep. you know, to really feed this renewable diesel uh, industry that's in front of us. Mark, do you think that might take off, might happen? Yeah, I think, you know, with an all the above uh, energy strategy, I, I think what that's the? a certain possibility, Chip. And, I, you know, I think just because these numbers are disappointing doesn't mean the demand's not going to be there going forward for renewable diesel and these other products. Because LCFS, the low carbon fuel standards are growing in demand. Yep. The same demand is going to be there. It's that, yes. that, that the market is the private we, industry, the private market is going to drive it. Yep. We need to continue this conversation in the next segment. We're going to do just that here on the free for all. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, the pressure is kind of building in corn and wheat. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, in technical breakdowns in both of those markets, Chip, and, and uh, you know, just continuation, sharp continuation of the the trend that we've seen here recently. Uh, but really, big divergence between that price action and what's happening in the uh, soybean market, uh, which is trading solidly to the upside here at mid-morning. And that's despite heavy pressure on soil oil again today. So yesterday, uh, the soybean market uh, faced heavy pressure from that massive sell-off in, in soil oil. And today, it's kind of uh, turning its uh, 
head the other way and and uh, doing its own thing and and uh, working higher on some corrective buying. All right, very good. You know that soybean oil market, as as we've been talking about, under quite a bit of pressure. How's that compared to what's going on in crude oil today? Crude oil is just very slightly higher, but still got the January contract at eighty one forty one here this morning. Okay, take us over to livestock trade. Trying to get some follow through in the hogs. Yeah, uh, quite a bit quieter in livestock trade yeah. than what it is in the grain markets, uh, no doubt, here to close out the week. Uh, but uh, you mentioned uh, we opened lower in, in hogs. Uh, December contracts still lower, but uh, most of the deferred contracts have uh, turned to the upside here and, and uh, working on some uh, follow-through from yesterday's, uh, those strong corrective gains that, that uh, you mentioned. And then on the uh, cattle side of things, still waiting on active cash cattle trade to, to finish up for the week, and, and uh, looks like it'll be a firmer tone feeder cattle they're being supported by the weakness in the corn market so far this morning all right good stuff brian you have a great weekend that is pro farmer editor brian grady on markets now we'll get back to the free for all in one minute Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the free-for-all. We've got Roger Bernard, Sean Haney, and Mark Recker with us today. Uh, we got to stay on the RVOs here for a moment and what it really means going forward, because... It, it, now, looking at uh, some of the reporting, we've got EPA is projecting corn ethanol consumption of 14.455 billion gallons in 23, 14.505 billion gallons in 24, and 14.534 billion gallons in 2025. Roger, why, why are those consumption expectations not 15 billion, 15.25 billion, 15.25 billion. Well, you can only you can only put so much you know ethanol into the fuel mix right now with a blend that's just nudging barely above 10 percent. You know, we need to get something going on a topic. I'm sure we're going to get to. Yep. Uh, yes. You know, more on uh, E15. That's one. Of, that's probably about the next best thing that uh, I think you know needs to happen if you're going to try to move that mix. Uh, and don't forget those renewable identification numbers, RINs, that uh, refiners can buy to show compliance. That's the other factor here too. That you know you don't have to blend a gallon of ethanol into into gasoline, or you don't have to blend a specified amount. So long as you have those RINs, you can show you were in right. compliance. You know. And it's, right. again, based off of assumptions of gasoline consumption, too. Right. Chip, you, know, right. you, you look at this fuel space, like it yep. is becoming ever more crowded. Like, yep. so, you know, we had, a, we had a time where it was like gasoline or ethanol, and that was kind of the battle. Like, yep. th- this is, we got hydrogen fuel, we got electricity, <laughs> we got, like, it's a super crowded space, uh, boy. If if you're if you're uh, if you're somebody on the EPA side and you got lobbyists coming in, you're you're a busy person right now trying to yeah. listen to all the interests of all these different sectors. It's yeah, there was four pages. or five new players. Yeah, there was four or five new players that met with yeah. OMB on this plan 
versus the ones you normally get to see going in there. And a lot of them were the electric vehicle side, either yep. the charging station folks, the EV makers, etc. So you brought a lot of new players into this. That's what there was a big portion of that proposed rule that goes yep. on that. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty easy to say you're going to see some extension of a comment period beyond February 10th, yeah. given the volume yeah. <laughs> of stuff that's being pushed through the pipeline. Like you said, 692 pages plus 500 pages of economic analysis that went with it. Okay. Right. Exactly. So, I, I so, 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 over stop, after please, about 735. We need to keep moving on the, uh, to yes. get all the points in on this because, Mark, the, all the players that are involved here with the mandate on corn-based ethanol at 15, 15.25, 15.25, what this – all the players involved in this, isn't it diluting the the corn-based ethanol? I mean, the 15 billion gallons is being spread out to the uh, I- into other renewables, isn't it? Well, so like uh, like Jim, or like Roger explained there, you know, you have all these unused RINs out there that have been b- building up over the years. Yeah. But uh, and Sean makes a great point with the crowded marketplace. And really, that's why it's so important now. And I know we're going to get to this, but this E15 year round legislation yep. and we had it and we didn't have it. And now we had it back last summer, thanks to the Biden administration. Now there's legislation that's going to hopefully make that permanent. That's why it's so important that E15 gets in there and and wrestles in for part of that marketplace yeah. so we can keep growing our industry. Yes. Yeah. And let's jump over to that. Uh, it, it, Roger, there. Well, no, before we jump over to that, Haney, does d- does that can we put a wrap on on the RVO conversation for now? Yeah, I, I think so, Chip. I, I think okay. time is going to tell here. So, yeah, I, I think we're done. OK. All right. Very good. Uh, the E15 side of things, Raj. Uh, what feels like we've got some momentum on year-round availability. Yeah, I think I think there is. You've got bipartisan, you've got bicameral, uh, mo- yep. you know, yep. uh, possibilities, and the strange bedfellows of API along with RFA. Along, you know, you've you've got some what I think in history would have been an uneasy alliance emerging on E15. I think. That is, you know, maybe a realization on the part of the petroleum folks. Hey, you know, that lowers their fuel cost maybe out there for the the consumer. And that ends up meaning, well, we might be able to sell some more gasoline in the mix as well. So, uh, you know, I think you've you've got some things moving ahead. I wouldn't rule out uh, keeping an eye on that end of year omnibus that's, you know, being formulated. Uh, I wouldn't rule yeah. that out to see something tucked in there in the in a year-end tax package, something like that, because this is obviously what you need to do. Even though EPA says we're going to come forward with the regs to do year-round E15, courts have struck it down. It needs to be put into law. Right, right. Wrecker, it, it fe- I, I like the momentum that's behind the effort right now, don't you? Well, just the fact you had uh, API join in on this speaks volumes uh, that really never happened before because, you know, there were Midwestern governors, uh, thanks to all those Midwestern governors who were petitioning the EPA, that we wanted to do E15 year round in our own right anyway, which creates a lot of complications for the refiners and for the infrastructure and the logistics. Yes, Um, absolutely. Such a patchwork of issues for them that why not? Because you know what? Ethanol, 
all the liquid fuels were all hitched together. So we got to figure out a way to make it work and, and make the marketplace work for all of us. And the simplest thing to do is to, like Roger said, legislatively, it has to be done legislatively, approve year-round E15. And I think there's a great chance of getting it done here in the in the next month. Okay. Haney, what are you, what, what, why is API on board now? <laughs> I, I am not sure. I, I, I just wanted to go back to... This is a critic getting to year round E15 is a critical step for corn based ethanol, especially with how crowded this space is. This is the next very, very needed step to to seeing an increase in 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 the industry and to give signals that it has a, a strong, strong, uh, strong future. So. Uh, I really yeah. hope that it feels like we've been talking about this for a long time, <laughs> uh, yeah. like other topics, but I, I hope we can see this come to a conclusion and it can happen and uh, we're, we can move on to, to, <laughs> to other issues. Yeah, exactly. Roger, a year round availability of E15 does not mean that E15 would replace E10 as the, the, the basic unleaded offering, would it? No, no, it's it's going to add to it, you know, like, uh, you know, like we've talked about, it's going to add to that availability out there. Uh, you know, one more point on API. Yeah, they're out here in favor of the legislation joining with RFA, RFS, etc. Let's see them put their lobbying legs to it yep. and get those on the petroleum side lawmaker wise to come on board and say, OK, let's do this. Yep. Yep. Mark, here's what scares me about about this now that api has has uh gotten involved and thrown some support behind it i'm concerned that the petroleum industry will say eh, okay we don't have to replace e10 with e15 but let's go ahead and do it and then all of a sudden we've got an 87 octane e15 product on the market because they will reduce the quality of that blend stock and refined to a lower octane on the gasoline side to save a buck there to spike it with more ethanol at 113 octane to get it to the minimum 87 to be legal at the pump. Is that a risk? That That is a risk. And that's why when you pull up to the pump now, it's all, well, it used to be 89 octane, right? E10. E10 was 89 when it came on the market. Right. And E15 right now is unleaded 88 if you pull up right. to the to the, the most places. So that is a risk. We don't want to put a, you know, a cheaper blend stock in. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think that's something we have to be concerned about, uh, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the, based the on the history. Is... Sorry. Go ahead, Chip. No, Haney, go ahead. I was going to say, based on the history of the, the tensions with API, you know, there, there's reasons to be cautious. You, the, <laughs> but, but the reality is you have to use this temporary alignment i'll call it to to really leverage them and like, as i think roger mentioned use their lobbying power yeah. and, and their and their presence in dc to push this forward use it to our advantage uh even though it may be just a sort of a short little date and uh we'll move yeah. on to other things later <laughs> yeah and mark made mark you made an awesome point when you said that the liquid fuels are linked together on this, I mean, the timeline depends on a partnership, doesn't it? 
It does. It does. And I think, you know, Sean makes a good point. Let's use each other where we can. And we haven't, because you know darn well, if they didn't want this, they would be working really, really hard to stop it as they have in the past. They've lobbied very hard. But yeah. if this is one thing we can mutually agree on and get it done, let's make it happen. And then, you know, move on to the next thing. That is a priority for, for us. Yeah. You know, it, I think for the ethanol as- folks, three words come to mind. Trust, but verify. Yes. Yeah. Trust, but verify. Exactly. Or hopefully the ethanol lobbyists will work to get something included in the legislation that E15 on the marketplace will be a minimum of 88 octane. That mm. keeps a that keeps a differentiation in the product grades going forward and makes that E15 more attractive to a consumer because of the higher octane and because of the lower price. Then all of a sudden 15 billion gallons a year Yeah, seems pretty doable. Very doable, as a matter of fact. Okay, we're going to continue on. We've got some ground to cover, and we'll get it covered here next on the Free For All. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. All right. Welcome back to Agritalk and the free-for-all. We're going to get right back to it as soon as we make time for Yields in the Field. Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. You know what? I just got to do a shout out to Rod in central Iowa. He said on Twitter recently, thank God for the very bountiful harvest. He says that he finished up harvest on November 22nd, and he said they had great yields, great help, great weather. We have so much to be thankful for. Shout out, Rod. Good stuff. Yields in the Field is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. Okay, guys. Uh We've got Roger Bernard, Senior Policy Advisor at S&P Global, Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio, Iowa Farmer, uh, Mark Recker here with us now. I want to get to some of these details of the employment report that we had today. Non-farm payrolls up 263,000 versus the 200,000. Unemployment rate 3.7% versus an expected 3.7%. Average hourly earnings year over year up 5.1%. Trade expected 4.6% there. 
the participation rate is a little confusing to me. 62.1% down from 62.2 in October, down from 62.3 in September. Uh, Haney, what do you think it all means for interest rates as we look at the upcoming, uh, what is it, December 13, 14 Federal Open Market Committee meeting? Yeah, uh, you know, every, well, I shouldn't say every, most economists that I talk to, the focus is on the unemployment rate and the Federal Reserve will continue to hike rates until we see a rise <laughs> in that unemployment rate. And clearly that is not the case to this point. Uh, uh, comparatively speaking, same thing in Canada. Numbers came out today. Uh, um, uh, unemployment is, it actually went down. To, as they've been raising rates too. So if, if you were if you were in the camp that you thought that we were at the end of the rate hikes, I think that we're seeing some contrarian news here today. Uh, there's going to be full steam ahead here on, on rate hikes going forward. Yeah, and the unemployment rate, check me on this, Raj, held steady because the participation rate is going down. I mean, it, it, 263,000 new non-farm payrolls, but... It was something like 180, 185,000 people left the workforce too. Yeah, yeah, you, it's it's awfully hard to move the needle. And these are some of the things that some of the smart people I talk with are scratching their heads over. You've yeah. got this unemployment rate down here, yet you've got this participation rate that's way down here. It's like uh, these things really shouldn't be happening at the same time, but they are. Uh, as far as you know, the rate hike thing, I think you're solidly at 50 basis points. Let's see, though, what happens over the next uh, you know, intervening days, because we have seen the Fed shift due to data that comes out. We've got uh, you know, CPI data going to be arriving, even though the PCE number is the one that the Fed really uses. And that was out yesterday, uh, you know, 5% versus 5.2. Uh, the prior month, yeah. September, was revised up to 5.2. Uh, you know, that wage inflation, and that's core PCE, by the way, yeah. uh, wages aren't keeping up with inflation right. still. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. I think you're at 50 basis points for uh, December 14. I think the Fed is awfully glad the, the uh, blackout period arrives yep. tomorrow. Otherwise, they'd be forced to be talking about this. Yeah, right. you know, you know right. I heard a futurist yesterday, and I, I don't want to talk about futurists in the economy, but <laughs> I want to be careful here. My crystal ball. Um, but uh, there was a slide in terms of change, which was like nothing, 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 something, and then everything. And, yeah. and that, may, you know, we're seeing layoffs being announced in the marketplace. So yeah. it is happening. So it'd be really interesting to watch in the first quarter if all of a sudden we're seeing like, oh my goodness, unemployment rate up big time. Like, you know, it, yeah. it just feels like we're not running in like a parallel timeline here. There's, <laughs> it's like, a, it feels like it's, it's, a, it's a, like a lag. Okay. It, it has to go up. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're hinting at something that I've been, has been occupying my thought process. This is the first time that we, well, not the first time, but we are in a recovery economy, not a growing economy. And I think we have to understand that a recovery economy is going to, a recovery is different than growth. So I think we're going to have to look at at some of the indicators that that we're used to looking at 
that that tell us how strong the economy really is or isn't, we've got to look at them a little bit differently than what we have. I haven't quite figured it all out yet, but we we got to we got to figure it out. And in the meantime, Mark, as you're putting together the 2023 crop plans, these interest rate increases are starting to feel real, aren't they? Yeah, I mean they've jumped substantially uh, over the past year, uh, so it, it is it is a real deal, and it is interesting to watch the Fed navigate what we would all desire as a soft landing here, because yeah. when you saw the comments earlier this week by the Fed chairman, the stock market you feel like it feels like it wants to rally so bad, it jumps on comments, but the employment numbers aren't letting it, aren't going to make it easy on them. It doesn't look like, and no, so that's good. that means that we're going to be have higher interest rates. And I agree with Roger. I think a half point increase probably they're going to have to do, uh, or a basis point increase. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's challenging times to be a farmer, but that uh, certainly hasn't slowed down land sales or, or land auction value. <laughs> yeah. You true, got though. that right. You got that right. Roger, literally yeah. 30 seconds. Give us an update on the Mexican decision status of Mexico's plans to ban GMO imports. Vilsack says, quote unquote, some progress was made. Uh, this is going to play out over the coming months. Let's see what AMLO has got to offer. Uh, you know, he dangled. Uh, maybe we let GMO corn in for two years until we do that. But that flies in the face of GMO safety, whether it's for human food or for animal food. It doesn't matter. You know, the science yeah. backs it up, and that's what Mexico has to pay attention to. Otherwise, yes. there will be a USMCA case. Absolutely, there will be. Mark, I'd love to get your reaction to it, but we're out of time. I appreciate all of all of you for taking part in the conversation today very much. That is Mark Recker from Iowa Farmer. Uh, Mark Recker, that is Real Agriculture, Sean Haney, and Roger Bernard from SMP Global. Thank you so much for listening this morning. You got to come back this afternoon. We've got Brian Hoops from Midwest Market Solutions right here on Agritalk.